Thelma, you want to pray for our time in the Word and fellowship? Father God, thank you again. Thank you for this new day, Father God. We come together to worship you in spirit and truth, Father God. Father, your word declared to rejoice in all things for Jesus, to be thankful for everything for God. And Lord, we are here to rejoice. Yes, Lord. We are part of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thank you, Lord. We are part of the one who calls the darkness of the marvelous light of Jesus. Yes, Jesus, Jesus, you have made all things new of each of us individually, Father God. We can look back and see what you have done in us, Father God, and it's beautiful. What you continue to do in us uh, is amazing, Father God. The transformation yes. power that is taking place in us, and yes, we want to be closer to you every day, Father God. And yes, we want to be continue for you to continue this transformation power in us, Father God. So right now we come together and we ask you, Lord Jesus, that we will have more of you and less of us, that we will crucify our flesh to that cross every day, Father God, that we allow you to work in us, Father God, for your glory and for your kingdom. So Lord Jesus, that we come together this morning, Lord Jesus, and you're going to speak through, uh, to all through your servant, Father God. Yes, I pray this morning we come together and we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you are strengthening him. Lord Jesus, that you heal him completely, Father God, that you touch him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, Father God, that you give him the strength that he needs to be able to uh, accomplish the, what you already placed in his heart to share with us, Father God, so give him the strength that he needs to do so, Father, so we thank you that you are the healer, that you touch him even now as we pray, Lord Jesus. So we thank, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Give the strength that he needs, Father God, to be able to accomplish what you call him to, Father. So, Lord, we give you the glory and the honor. Speak to all this morning, Father God. Speak yes. Holy Spirit to us. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you this morning, Lord God, that we would just not be just be here of the world, God, but that we will be doers, Father God, that we will apply it during this day, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking back to what I did yesterday, no, Lord Jesus. I know that today you are so merciful, you will be merciful with us, and I know, Lord Jesus, that you will give us the strength, Holy Spirit, to accomplish what you call us to do during this day, Lord Jesus. So help, help us to, to do what you call us to, and to be the people of God, to do the will of God for the glory of God, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, we give you the glory and the honor, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Many minds on a deadline, yet live life like a lava wire. I'm not tired. 
blood and fire, spirits moving higher. In the green grass of the living me, spirits moving higher. Spirituality is living in us like a world in three. Injustice is concerning me in the night of your eternity. I'm speaking paradoxically, but you could nod your head now when you understand me. Come on. This is for my free man whose backs won't bend in the lion's den. Now with the eyes on the end end. This is for my free women who fight with their love. The battles of our children. Free men whose backs won't bend in the lion's den. Now with the eyes on the end end. This is for my free women who fight with their love. The battles of our children. We shine like lights exposing. What lies underneath decomposing. On a dull chain with a rusty. Oh my God. Is that what I'm trusting in? That same that time for the real. What it is is not the truth that I adore myself with. The enemy's gifts, the man made myths, the ignorant bliss of marijuana splits, and alcoholic fips. I got so sick and tired of it. Delivered and redeemed by Christ and me. It's time to start living and get a reason for the rhyme. Deadline, standing on the dark side and all out of time Like a blind pin, a mind's friend, a size crime Up a song, light it through the sunshine And nothing's mine, that hasn't been given And no one's alive here, that hasn't been risen For 19 years I was trapped in the prison Filling my escape by means of division But every man made a tent just failed me Dropped in the jail of my own guilt, shame and iniquity I was looking for freedom
brother, come on, open up your eyes. Quit believing all those lies that the devil been telling you. Sister, I know that it happened again. But girl, you know that you got a friend. Cause I You could take off the mask you wear And quit acting like you don't care About the things that are killing you Sister, don't go that way no more You've been down that road before
Day he will come again. 
thank you, Lord. Thank you for that promise, God, that we shall behold you, Lord. Father, that promise of your great return, Lord, to gather those who are in Christ, those who belong to you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you. God, that, Lord, there's an eternal life with you, Father, set apart for those who have been saved, who have been born again. Thank you, Father, for your great love towards us, Lord. And it's your desire that none should perish, but all would enter in to the saving knowledge, Lord, of Christ Jesus. That is your desire, God. That is your that's what you pursue with all of us. But yet, God, your word tells us not all will turn to you. That many would remain in rebellion towards you, Father. Resisting you. Settling for the temporal things of this earth. The temporalness of this life. That they would create their own gods and their own idols, and that they would remain blinded by the enemy. Father, you've pursued them. You've revealed yourself to them time and time and time and time again. And Father, you are just. You are the ultimate judge, God. You know the hearts of men and women. And how sad that on that day, Father, there would be those that would hear, depart from me. You worker of iniquity. You who are still mastered by sin. I don't know you. Oh, God for eternity, that they would be separated from you in a place of torment. Continual just torment and destruction. Hell. A place that was designed, Father, for Satan and the angels who rebelled against you. Now will be filled with those whom you created with those whom you sought after to love upon, and yet they resisted you and denied you. Now they will, for eternity, feel your wrath forever. Oh God, may it not be said about any of us, Lord, that we would end up there. (laughs) Oh no, may we be counted among those who are saved. Those who have been born again, Lord Jesus, of the Spirit. Those who have been engrafted and adopted in, Lord, to your family. Those who have been given the right to call you Abba. Those who have been given the right to, to boldly enter in your throne room. Because we called upon the name of the Lord Jesus and we have been saved. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Overcomers. 
our position is in Christ. So, oh God, may we continue to hunger and thirst for righteousness, Father. For your name's sake, God, I pray. May we not, Father, neglect our relationship with you, fellowship with, the, with others that are in Christ. And may, may we never settle for anything temporal. But, oh God, may we continue to run the race with endurance. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Application. (laughs) Sustained effort. Hard work. Again, it's from the root word apply. To give one's full attention to a task. To work hard. Application. We are now in August. Eight months of hearing this. Over and over and over and over and over. But as I keep asking us, how are you doing with it? How are you doing with it? How are you applying the truth of God's word? If you're a believer, you are to be maturing. You ought to be growing You ought to be about your father's business. You ought to be forsaking everything else and everyone else that comes to distract you from you maturing to becoming more like Christ in a world that desperately needs Christ. Application. Sustained effort. To work hard. To give one's full attention to the work of the kingdom. We can't have a divided heart. can't have one foot in and one foot out. We can't have one hand raised and one hand reaching and grasping for everything else that's out here. No, it's full surrender. It's a life that is surrendered to Christ. Because of His great love towards us, He's revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus. And in that revelation, we recognize ourselves as enemies of His throne. And praise be to God, that in that state of humility, when we recognize ourselves as sinners, as enemies of God, We see the price that was paid for us to be reconciled to God through Jesus. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took the wrath that we deserved. He paid for us through His blood. We, will, we were bought without, for a price by His blood. And as we're studying on Friday nights about the blood, the precious blood, and why it's important for a believer to understand and have a foundation of the truth of the blood of Christ. 
That once we receive Christ, we are cleansed. We have been washed clean. We have a new identity that we are to be growing in. That we are to be maturing in. That we are to be walking in. We take the truths now of Christ and we begin to apply them. Because it's opposite to how we used to live. That's why we're to walk according to the Spirit, habitually in the Spirit, so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And in a world that's getting more chaotic by the day and by the hour, and we've been told and we've been warned all through Scripture what it's going to look like, we have visually seen the world degrade at a rapid pace in front of our own eyes. For years, for the past years. But it has sped up since 2020. And it's only going to continue. I mean, I don't know if you saw what happened in New York the other day with these teenagers. I don't know if you're seeing what's happening out there throughout the earth. I don't, I don't know if you're watching and you're, and you're heeding the call. Wake up! Wake up! It's getting darker. It's getting darker. The love of many is growing to get colder and colder. We can't keep doing church how we've done church. We know we need to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Because we recognize the times in which we are living. There's no way to turn and to run from it. You can't go hide and, and duck and hide and, 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 and hope that it all goes away. No, we have to face it every single day when you get up. And so this day, whom shall you serve? This day, what is it that you're believing in? This day, how are you living? This day, what choices are you making? What thoughts are you entertaining? What are you putting your hands towards? What are you putting your feet towards? What are you allowing to come out of your mouth? What are you maintaining within your own self that you're thinking you're hiding from everyone else, but God sees you all? You may be hiding it from others, but God sees We've got to start getting, getting thought, applying truth, so that we are moving forward. It's hard work. It's sustained effort. You have to give your full attention to it, lest you get distracted. It's not going to get any easier. Well, that's not a happy message. No, but it is. It is. Because everything that we're seeing, everything that we're witnessing and hearing is actually proving God to be true. Everything in his book, everything in his word. Truth is being revealed 
as darkness is running amok. And so either you're going to be swept up with the glory of God, or you're going to be swept up in the wrath of God. How are you applying truth? Again, we've heard, applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And then this beautiful promise, and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. I mean, do you all understand that? Do I understand that? Are we grasping this understanding that God, the holy God, the God who spoke and all things were formed, the ultimate creator, there's no one before him, there's no one after him, there's no one above him, God is with you. Romans 5.1, now therefore you are at peace with God through Jesus Christ, your Lord. That's why I love when Jesus looks at these people and goes, why do you call me Lord? And you don't do what I say? I mean, Jesus is really, I mean, he's real. I mean, he tells them, consider the cost before you come after me. I mean, he tells them, they're going to hate you because they hated me. You're going to suffer on my behalf, but consider it joy. I mean, in the natural mind, it makes no sense. We look like fools. But when your eyes are open and you truly grasp and you truly see, like, oh, God. No, it humbles you. And so you have to ask yourself. You have to have an honest assessment of yourself. And if you're not saved, if you're just holding a form of religion, then by God, would you run to Jesus? Because yet He's giving you another opportunity because of His love towards you to draw you to repentance so that you might be born again and grafted in and sent out to bear His image. Lest we think it's just about showing up for church, doing church work, saying a little scripture here, saying a little prayer there, moved by this and moved by that. We make a mockery of him. That's why I said, once you, you know, when the word of God says, once you've tasted and you see that the Lord is good, you all, and like I've always said, what, what would you go back to? Like freedom, like when you know freedom, when you've tasted freedom, when you have peace, when your mind's been in utter chaos. 
when you have healing, when your body's been racked with pain, when provision has come forth where there was nothing available for you, God Himself has shown up and revealed Himself to you. And we just want to keep doing it our way. Keep going our way. Oh, it's not really going to hurt. I don't have to be as holy as the rest of them. Did God really say? Did God really say? Now you sound like Satan. Who actually is then is your father. He doesn't mind you having a little bit of Jesus. Oh, we have to wake up, you all. We have to wake up. The God of peace is with you as you are applying the Word of God. Because He knows you can't do it in and of yourself. God has called us to this life, and in calling us, He has provided what we need, who we need, to accomplish His purpose, His plan, His works within us. That's why we must be dependent upon Him. The God of peace is with us. He didn't call us and then say, go try to figure it out. No, He called us and He's equipped us. He has secured us. He has sealed us. If we're truly in Christ, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. We are marked as His. And so in this application, in this applying, the first step is to realize in and of yourself, you can't. You must die to yourself daily. That's why if you've been around me long enough and I've counseled you one-on-one and you say, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. Why are you trying? That's the problem. You're still God. No, why don't you why don't you start saying, I'm learning, I'm applying, as the Holy Spirit's leading, I'm taking truth, I'm getting rid of the lies, I'm gonna start walking in healing and holdness. Again, Jesus says, Peace I leave you, peace I give you, peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You're to be living out of that which is whole. What does that look like for you? When so many years you've been broken. As you begin to apply truth and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, the healing that comes from it, you won't always be so nasty and wounded and wounding others. And oh, suspicious. Or blaming. Or this. Or that. And the talk that comes out of your mouth. You won't keep agreeing with the enemy. You won't keep going along with the enemy. No, because God himself is with you. So remember, it's the degree to which we study, memorize and meditate on God's word is a degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. 
But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the first step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study. And it serves to sharpen our discernment. Helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. And in this day and age, as I've been encouraging us, <laughs> what was evil back here is now good. And what's been good is now evil. When I see a young man arrested in our country, in our country, for standing on the sidewalk, Sharing the scripture from Galatians. He was arrested because he was reading the book of Galatians. He was manhandled by these cops. He was arrested, him and the other young men. I go, God help us. And listen, I don't, you know, God, praise be to God because this has given this young man an opportunity. So I praise God. Okay, devil, you want to act a fool? You're just going to give the, you're just going to give, you're just going to give us the opportunity to have a platform. The next day, the young man was standing in front of the city council, gave an incredible speech, shared the gospel, <laughs> considered it joy. Dr. Gump going through what he went through. But in our nation, he is looked upon as being evil. He's the bad one. When he was following the city ordinances, when he was following what he was requested of them to move away from the park and go to the sidewalk, so that, so that we can have drag queens gyrating, doing sexual acts in front of little kids as the parents applause and give the kids dollar bills to take up and give to the drag queens. Because that is what's good now. That is what's pure. That is what is wholesome now. Do you understand? And you just want to go and just mingle and live your life however you want to live. Keep running amok out in the world. Keep going along. Keep laughing along with it. Keep shacking up with them. Keep going to the club with them. Keep doing this with them. Keep doing that with them. Well, it's not that bad, is it? Yes. Look around you, it's getting darker. And what you feed breeds. You want to live in the flesh, live in the flesh. Do whatever you want. You have every right. You have every right. But come on. If you're calling yourself a Christian, then by God, live as one. 
I understand what it means. So you're not out there making a mockery of Christ. Lest you forget what Jesus says. It's best that you tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into a lake for causing others to stumble. I think we've got to wake up, you all. It's not even funny anymore. It never has been. But you can't even make this stuff up anymore, what we're seeing. And so we're eight months in, and I have such an urgency within me, not for myself and for all of us, that we grow up, that we mature, that we understand the signs of the time, that we understand we are rooted and to be grounded in Christ. Because what's ahead for us? You can't even begin to conceive. And you still are out there running amok in the world, thinking you have time to fill your lamps, thinking you have time to get into the ark, And the hour's approaching. We don't know the time or the day, but the hour's approaching of his return. And who are we going to be counted among? Now oh, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. Go to Colossians 3, verse 16. Scriptures that I've been holding up. And hopes to encourage you to continue to grow. Listen, as I've been saying, okay, so you've gone eight months and you haven't been applying truth. So you've gone eight months and you're still the same old person. Miserable, depressed, drunk, bound by, by sin in every sorts of way. Unforgiving, lazy, gossiping, backbiting. Giving yourself over sexually. Just trying to find myself. Just trying to find myself. Well, you have breath in your body in this hour. In this minute. And yet God is saying, would you repent? Would you turn from that and turn to me? Because I've made a way for you through my son Jesus. You don't have to continue to live like you've been. You don't have to remain my enemy. It is my desire to draw you close to me. That you might be adopted in. Like it's not too late. It's not too late. So you're not to beat yourself up. I'm a bad Christian. I'm a bad Christian. I don't want to go to church. I don't feel like I fit in. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Got to get over yourself. Got to get over yourself. Got to get over yourself. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up the cross and follow Him. It's hard work. Sustained effort. It's a walk in the Spirit. It's totally opposite of the ways of this world. So you repent and you get up. Oh, it's that easy? Yes, it's that easy. 
Oh, but I still feel. Okay, so you're not living your life based on your feelings. You're living your life now based on faith. So get plugged in. Get plugged in. That's right. Jesus says, abide in me. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of God reveals to us the works of the flesh. And then it reveals to us the fruit of the spirit. And those who live according to the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Unless you continue to believe a false gospel that's being preached out there. No. Run the race. Run the race with endurance. Set your eyes on the prize set before you. And live for Christ. Well, what are people going to think? Why are you worried about people? I mean, come on. Colossians 3.16 Let the message about Christ. Christ, that's all we have. Jesus, you all. This is the message. So let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And carry at verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him and God the Father. To God the Father. That the message about Christ. So I always keep encouraging us as I encourage myself. Share the gospel with yourself every day. Throughout the day. Understand spiritual warfare. Understand what it means to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of his lordship. Stop excusing your bad attitudes. Stop excusing everything that you're giving yourself over to that you know you ought not to be giving yourself over to. And then to just expect everyone around you to go along with it. No. The line has been drawn. (laughs) And you don't cower down. Again, people have a right to live however they want. But we are to be image bearers of Christ. We're to be upholding the standards of righteousness. We are to be the ones that are doing everything as a representative of the Lord Jesus. That's not on the world. That's not on the loss. That's not even on the religious. But on those who are truly His. This is how we're to be living. This is how we're to be living. This is how we're applying. This is how we're growing. This is how we're connecting. First with God, and then with the local church. So that we're being equipped to go out. 
And we can't even go out to serve when we're not equipped to serve among ourselves. It starts here first. It starts here individually first, and then it goes out from you. And then collectively as the church we come in, we're encouraging, we're edifying, we're building each other up. We're not allowing sin to run amok in the church as we're not allowing sin to run amok in our lives. You know, these Christians who get so irritated because they're held accountable? Because they don't hold themselves accountable to the standard of God's word. And yet then they come into church and just expect everyone else just to fall in line with them. No, it's not how it goes. The standard is set because God has set it. it. God has put it in place individually and then corporately so that then when we go out, We're not like the rest of them. And they see a difference. Well, they're a strange bunch of people. Well, they act differently. They're hard workers. I can't get them to gossip and to backbite. They're not easily provoked. They're not bound. Who are they? Those are those Christ followers. This is how we're to be living, you all. This is how we're to be living. Look what Scripture says. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship, you all. Worship. It's just not a song being sung, but it's a lifestyle being lived. You are a living sacrifice. Your life, everything about you, is worshiping God. Because He's to be the first Not the last. Not what you turn to. Oh, Marit's got to be paid. No, he's first in everything. Jesus, you all. Jesus. That's all we have. Jesus. Are you applying his truth? Are you seeking Him? The Word of God says if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with all of your heart. Are you getting up over yourself? (laughs) 
you silencing the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Understand this, Jesus says. It's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you think back over your week, if you think back over just the past morning hours, what have you given yourself to? Your thoughts, your words, your heart attitudes. That not only steal from you, but it steals from others. It's not only killing you, but it's killing others. It's not only going to destroy you, but it's destroying others. It fascinates me, fascinates me. We all get on our soapbox about people's lives. And then the next thing I know, you're right among them. Doing the same thing that irritates you about them. You're doing the same thing that you see is destroying them and you're picking it up yourself. The enemy is having a filled day. Oh, but I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus. What Jesus? What Jesus do you have? So quick to curse, so quick to this, so quick to that. And you're not doing anything to deal with the one who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In your own life or in the life of others? I mean, Jesus, you all. He then says, and I've come to give you life and life in abundance. This is what that thief comes to do, but this is what I've come to do, to give you life and life in abundance to the full. So that is what, and that is who you need to be giving your thoughts to, your heart to, your words to, your life to. Why are you settling for that which is stealing, killing, and destroying you, your family, your neighborhood, your city, your nation, the earth? What excuse do you have this day that you're trying to sell the rest of us? Get over yourself. Stop the foolishness. Because we're all going to be around you when you're over their funeral, over their casket. We're in heaven. This is... It's a mockery, you all. It's a mockery. I just go, God, what are we doing? 
Oh, I just want, I just want you, I just want someone to preach a word that just itches my ears. I, I want to feel the anointing. I, I want to, I want to shake. I, I want to, oh yeah, I want to feel. I want to feel. I just want to live like Jesus. I just want to serve Jesus. I just want to love Jesus. I just want Jesus. So to apply, to reckon yourself dead to sin but alive in Christ, to to allow the Holy Spirit to, to dig up within you all that junk that's been weighing you down. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to transparent before God. You allow all of that junk to be dealt with. It's to be brought out into the light. It's to be exposed so that you can be healed. So that you can experience life and life and the abundance. That you know what it means to live out of wholeness and not out of brokenness. That you know how to stand and stand therefore then after you've done all you know to do. Because the battle's not yours, it's his. You have confidence in your God. You know your God. You walk with your God. And you love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength. This is the Christian way. There's no other way. There's no other way. I'd like for you to go to Luke 24. All week long I've been meditating upon the resurrected Christ. I've been in the book of Revelation. I've been meditating and just pondering and thinking upon the resurrected Christ. You see, if He's not resurrected, then we have nothing. We're fools to believe even what we believe. So the Bible says, but he rose from the dead. And so I have to ask you, have you been with the resurrected Christ this week? Have you been with him this morning? Have you walked with him? Have you talked with him? I've allowed him to correct you and discipline you and to love you. Have you trusted in him this week? Have you seen beyond your circumstances and looked towards him? Is your hope in the resurrected Christ? Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. 
The man asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home wondering what had happened. The resurrected Christ. Do you believe? Do you truly believe? Because trust me, when you truly believe, it wrecks your life. It wrecks your being. You cannot continue to go your way. If he's still laying in the tomb, oh, you'll keep going your way. If he's still hanging on the cross, you'll keep going your way. If he's still in the manger, you'll keep going your way. But if he truly is resurrected, if you truly believe, it wrecks your life. It exposes who you truly are. And you can't help but humble yourself before him. Verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of them ran out to see. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them both, you foolish people. 
Listen, these two disciples, they heard the report. Jesus is alive. But where were they heading? Back home. You have heard the report for I don't know how many years of your life that Jesus is alive. But the question today is, where are you heading? Because if you're heading back, you're a fool. No, you ought to be seeking for the one who defeated sin and death, who is resurrected, who has been given all power and authority. Don't turn and go back. Go see. Go search for yourself. Christ. Revealed to you because God is pleased to reveal himself to you through Jesus in hopes that you might be saved. You foolish people. You find it hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them Oh, do you not see the mercy of God? He didn't leave them as fools. No, he began to teach them. He began to reveal to them yet again. He took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus. And at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him. Stay the night with us. Since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us <laughs> as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, highlight that, circle that, and within the hour, guess what? They were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. They went back. Some of us have just got to get up. Some of us have just got to get back in the word. Some of us have got to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to teach and to guide us. Some of us need to give up from our foolishness and get back among the believers who believe in a resurrected Christ. That's the motive. That's the drive of the true church. The resurrected Christ. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the hope in which we have to give others. Verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them and they were walking as... 
as they were walking along the road, how they recognized him, and as, and as he was breaking the bread, and just as they were telling about Jesus, Jesus himself was suddenly standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. <coughs> but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Can you see that it's really me? Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies. And as you see that I do, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Again, you see the love and the grace and the mercy of God. I mean, for God's sakes, they were just sitting around excited about all the events that were been taking place. Jesus is revealing himself. And yet Jesus is among them and they're like, what? And yet, again, he stoops low to reveal himself to them yet again. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then they asked him, do you have anything? Then, huh? then he asked him, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Oh, would you pray that this week? The Lord himself would open your minds that you would understand scripture. <laughs> and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that the message would, proclaim, would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the one, the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But, they, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them. And was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him. And then they returned to Jerusalem. Filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple. Praising God. And then. We return. We won't today. But we've already studied it. But you can go to the book of Acts. And see that promise fulfilled. Of the Holy Spirit. The same men who doubted. The same men and women who doubted. The, the same people who, who, who were like, what? Oh. When they received the Holy Spirit. Listen, you all. From Acts on, their lives were different. They doubted no more. So you want to keep playing with your doubt? You want to keep playing with your confusion? You want to, oh, Jesus, is he love? You're acting a fool. 
Especially if you're calling yourself a child of God, because if you're a child of God, you receive the Holy Spirit. And if you receive the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you start acting as if Jesus is a liar? Because you've been sealed. You've received God Himself in you. Just look at the condition of our lives. Look at the condition of churches. Especially in the West. God help us for making a mockery of the Holy Spirit. I was speaking to a brother from India the other day as we were having lunch. And we were speaking of such. He's like, Rob, I would love to take you to India with me. Because I think that you would be just so overwhelmed with joy of what you find there amongst the believers. And you understand believers are being persecuted, beaten, beheaded. He says, sometimes when I hear you talk, I'm like, oh God, yes. He says, when we bring missionaries from India over to the United States, they go, what God are y'all serving here? Churches, what are y'all doing in your churches? And they're rebuking the Indian churches as well as the church at large in the West. But they're reminding the brothers and brothers and sisters that have come and they've gathered and they're forming churches here in the West. Don't be like the Western church whose God is all show and no power. Come on, you all. God help us. God help us. The resurrected Christ. Go to Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. This belief and this confession, I have preached on it, I talked upon it, and linked. The problem is, I'm not quite sure if the majority of us are applying it. This belief and this confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, it wrecks your life. Your life is no longer your own. Sure, you're going to be tempted. Sure, you're going to have all this stuff still inside you, screaming at you. 
But if Jesus says, but if Jesus is who he says he is, and I believe it, and if Jesus rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, that resurrected power, and I believe it, then nothing within me of my old nature that wants to climb out is coming forth unless I grant it the right to. Because I can look at it and say, no, no, no. <laughs> You're nailed to his cross. I want it. I want it. I need it. I got to have it. Oh, you may want it. You may need it. You may got to have it. But let me tell you how we're living now. <laughs> Under the rule and reign of the Son of God of the Most High. Who has rose from the dead. Who has defeated sin and death. And I've nailed you to his cross. And because I am in Christ. Guess who else has been raised up to a new life? Ha ha, me. See, I don't know how you're talking to yourself. Unless you just show up for church. Unless you just click on Zoom. Well, I'll hear a little bit of church today. And you'll go to hell tonight because you're dropped dead without Jesus. Because he's not anywhere near you or in you. Because you just want to play a game. Just want to have your little superstition. Rub your little trinkets. Say your little night-night prayers. <laughs> but you got no holiness. You got no steps of righteousness in order. You've got nothing but a form, a shell of a no belief and no confession. And somehow we're just supposed to just pat you on your head, poof, you're a Christian, poof, you're a Christian, Poof, you're a Christian, and by God, people are dying left and right. The resurrected Christ, you all. You can deal with yourself. As you walk with Him, as you're growing, as you're maturing, when the world comes a calling, well, you can turn and you can look and you can say, I need to remind you. That my interest in you are no more. And as far as the word of God says, whom the risen son of God has declared, your interest in me is no more. So be gone with you. And as far as the enemy, when he wants to come and taunt and distract with all chaos and confusion, Stand up and remind him that you are sealed until the day of redemption, that you belong to the risen King of kings and Lord of lords, that you belong to Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who was announced from the beginning that he would come and crush your head. He's already made you an open spectacle. You already are defeated. You have no right. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Try me as you may. But I will not serve you any longer. And I am resisting you. 
as I'm drawing near to my God. Because the Word of God says that if I will draw near to God, if I first submit myself to Him, then as I resist you, you must flee. See, I don't know how you're talking, how you're living, how you're praying. But I know this, the majority of us, we're, not, we're just holding a form. We live a lukewarm, watered-down gospel, and we just stamp Jesus on our lives. And we belong to the devil. And we're doing his work. So laugh all you want when you have a bad attitude. <laughs> oh, I did that today. <laughs> Mocking spirits. You give in to something. Well, it's not that bad. Oh, I can't tell nobody because if I say anything, deceiving spirits are ruling your life. I mean, come on. We're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. And you expect the church just to get up and just cater to you. Take, 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 and take. Woo. God help us. I said, Jesus, I can, t- I can understand why you flip tables. <laughs> I made a mockery of him. And you look around at what's going on on Sunday mornings. <laughs> has to be on our schedule, has to be on our schedule, has to be on our schedule, has to be on our schedule. Live your life that way if y'all want. But in the end, when you take your last breath, you can never say you were never warned. Water it down all you want. Find those who will itch your ears. Find those who will put on a good performance for you. (laughs) If you stay empty, dried up, full of death, for what? For what? Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You could choose to go that way. Have at it. But I choose. And I pray you will choose to go the way of the resurrected Christ, the one who says, I've come to give you life, and life till it's full. Here and now, not just on the other side, but here and now. It's time for the church to awake. To wake up from its slumber and begin to walk in her authority. Prophecy is where we're heading. Prophecy is important. It shows God's control over history and that what he predicts does come to pass. He's in control of his plan and purpose. 
He will have a people that he will call his own and they will call him their God. Prophecy proves the integrity of scripture. It protects us from false teaching and it prepares us for the last day. I've got three prophecies for you today. Again, a tool I'm using in hopes to equip you. To grow as a believer. If you're not a believer, well, then I hope, I pray, and I'm hopeful that it'll prompt you to seek Him above all and come to a place where you repent and be born again. Three prophecies concerning Christ. The first one today Judas's, his betrayer, Judas's office to be taken. By another. Psalms 109, verse 8. And as I was studying this week, I said, Lord, aren't you funny? That is something so small. <laughs> it's something so small. And yet, God, you fulfilled it. He's down to the very detail of Judas's position being filled. Is a prophecy concerning Christ. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Psalms 109, verse 8. It reads, Let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. Now go to the fulfillment of that. Go to Acts chapter 1. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 18. Acts chapter 1, verse 18 through 26. Judas had bought a field with the money he received from his treachery. Falling headfirst there, he, his body split open, spilling out all of his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the, Eric name, the Aramaic name El Kadoma which means filled of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says that his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says that someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were here with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. Look at that, Jesus' resurrection. <laughs> so they nominated two men, Joseph, called uh, Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in, his, in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. Come on. And you want to sit and bicker with people when they say, man wrote this Bible. Come on, God, would you grow up? 
when you understand how to rightly defend the faith. You should know the Word. You should be in the Word. You should be growing. We're all at different levels, but we're all maturing. We're all growing. You should have a hunger. I remember when I first came to Christ, Lord, and still to this day, I never want to lose the hunger that I have for the Word of God. I treasure it. I know this is all that I am now. This is my identity. It is your identity. It's all we have. What else do you want to add to it? You can't. It is so true. I mean, look at that. Just that little detail was prophesied. And it was fulfilled. Oh, come on. The second one today, false witnesses accuse him. Go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 12. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 59 through 61. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witnesses, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward who declared... This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. That's a lie. <laughs> Again, we see the fulfillment of this. False witnesses will accuse him. The next one. Silent when accused. So, strict prophecy concerning Christ. That he would be silent when he's accused. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet... He never said a word. He was, the, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As the sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. This is the prophecy from Isaiah concerning the Christ, the Messiah. It was fulfilled in Matthew. Back to Matthew 26, verses 62 to 63, that's what it should say there, carrying the notes. So the fulfillment. 
Then the high priest, verse 62, stood up and said to Jesus, Well, are you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus didn't have to answer the charges. He remained silent, you all. Prophecy. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to work through our script, walking through our scriptures. Though we've been in a lot of scriptures today, we're going to pick back up walking through scriptures and the whole purpose of it, my hope that you would come to know your God, that you would see how faithful He is, that you would begin to understand His character, and that you can trust Him. He's not man that he should lie. I mean, you understand the confidence that you can walk in in a relationship with the Almighty God. To be his people, his purpose is that he will have a people that will belong to him, that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. That you will live for God. Not deny him by the way you live, but that you would live for God. There are standards set in place that he has set. And then he gives you and me what we need to live them out. He's not a hard taskmaster. Remember, Jesus himself said, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if you're burdened, heavy laden by the Christian life, the devil's running you. You're running you. In Christ, you're liberated. And when you begin to apply these truths, when you begin to get up and begin to move forward, the freedom that comes from your life, It's not going to make any sense to the world. And you don't need it to. But boy, the wholeness, the depths of feeling secured, the level of anxiety that is loosed from your life, The peace that you gain that surpasses all understanding. I should have lost my mind, but Christ kept it (laughs) and kept it on Him. So there's a way in which we can live, you all. And so I hope that you remember that the book of Chronicles is written to a group of people (laughs) who were just enslavement. Generations after generations after generations of God's people who walked with God, who talked with God, who worshipped God, who rebelled against God, who turned from God, who God kept telling them, listen, listen, you better go my way. If not, 
I'm going to turn you over. I would rather not turn you over. I would rather you go my way because I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But no, if you want to continue to go your way, I will turn you over to it. And the only thing that's going to come from that, y'all, as we've heard throughout this message this morning, still kill and to destroy. That's what you're asking God to turn you over to. Like in Romans 1, we, we read and we see that God says He abandoned them to their own desires. He abandoned them to what they wanted to serve. He abandoned them because He loved them. Not because He's a bad God. No. That's what you want? Here. Let it rule you. It only knows how to steal from you, to kill, and to destroy. You better wake up. You better wake up. So these people are a product of what their generations before did. And they were led into captivity. And now they're being brought back. God in His mercy and His love, do you not understand the character of our God? His mercy and His love, He brings them back, giving them a, a, an identity of people who belong to Him. They haven't done anything yet to deserve that, nor will you, nor will I ever. That's your God. He doesn't wait for you to do what is right. All you got to do is repent. See what you're doing is wrong. And then he's there. He's there. He's got you. They're being brought back in. They're given the land that belongs to them. They're given their identity back. And now the chronicler is writing to them in hopes to encourage them and to remind them first and ultimately who their God is, what God has laid out as instructions for them to be his people. So they must learn from what, what, what God did back here, how he showed himself faithful, and they must learn how unfaithful the generations before them were. In hopes that they will be faithful to the God that is faithful to them. Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Chapter 4, verse 6. I mean, chapter 4, verse... Ah, chapter 4 through chapter 6. We left off a few weeks ago with Solomon rebuilding the... or building the temple. Now he's furnishing the temple. Solomon also made a bronze altar 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 15 feet high. Then he cast a great round basin... 15 feet across rim to rim, called the sea. It was seven and a half feet deep and about 45 feet in circumference. It was encircled just below its rim by two rows of fig figures that resembled oxen. <coughs> there were about six oxen per, per foot all the way around, and they were cast as part of the basin. 
The sea was placed on the base of 12 bronze oxen, all facing outward. Three faced north, three faced west, three faced south, and three faced east, and the sea rested on them. The walls of the sea were about three inches thick, and its rim flared out like a cup and resembled a water lily blossom. It could hold up, oh my goodness, it could hold about 16,500 gallons of water. He also made them smaller basins with washing for washing the utensils for, for the burnt offerings. He set five on the south side and five on the north. But the priests washed themselves in the sea. He then cast ten gold lampstands according to the specifications that had been given. And he put them in a temple. Five were placed against the south wall and five were placed against the north wall. He also built ten tables and placed them in the temple, five along the south wall, five along the north wall. Then he molded a hundred gold basins. He then built a courtyard for the priests and also the larger outer courtyard. He made doors for the courtyard entrances and overlaid them with bronze. The great bronze basin called the sea was placed near the southeast corner of the temple. Haram Abi also made the necessary wash basins, shovels and bowls. So at last, Haram Abib completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of God. The two pillars, the two bowls, shaped capitals on top of the pillars. The two networks of interwoven chains that decorated the capitals. The 400 pomegranates that hung from the chains on the capitals. Two rows of pomegranates for each of the chain networks that dedicated the capitals on top of the pillars. The water carts holding the basins, the sea and the 12 oxen under it, the ash buckets, the shovels, the meat hooks, and all the related articles. Haram Abib made all these things burnt, uh, burnished bronze from the Lord, I'm sorry, for the Lord of the temple, just as King Solomon had directed. The king had set cast in clay molds in the Jordan Valley between Succoth and Saram. Solomon used such great quantities of bronze that its weight could not be determined. Solomon also made all the furnishings for the temple of God, the gold altar, the tables for the bread of presents, the lampstands and their lamps of solid gold to burn in front of the most holy place as prescribed, the flower decorations, lamps and tongs and all the pure, of the purest gold. The lamp stuffers, bowls, dishes, and incense burners, all of solid gold. The doors for the entrance of the most holy place and the main room of the temple overlaid with gold. Chapter 5. So Solomon furnished all his work on the, I'm sorry, all his work, I'm sorry. So Solomon finished all of his work on the, t- of the, t- on the temple of the Lord. Then he brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the various articles, and he stored them in the treasuries of the temple of God. Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of Israel. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters, which is held in early autumn. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the Levites picked up the ark. The priests and the Levites brought up the ark along the special tent, along with the special tent, and all the sacred items that had been that had been in it. There, 
Before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could count, could keep count. Then the priests carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from temple's main room, the holy place, but not from the outside. They are still there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the people, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left Egypt. Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were permit, present have purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day. <coughs> and the Levites, who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judathan, and all their sons and brothers, were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. They were joined by 120 priests who kept playing trumpets, the trumpeteers and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord Fill the temple of God. Do you understand what that must have been like? The temple is finished. God's people are worshiping. And God descended. The presence of God, the glory of God came down. beautiful you all how beautiful we're going to pick up chapter 6 and I'm only going to verse 11 oh isn't this beautiful then Solomon prayed oh Lord you have said that you would live in the thick cloud of darkness now I have built a glorious temple for you a place where you can live forever then the king turned around to the entire community of Israel, standing before him and gave this blessing. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept the promise he made to my father David. For he told my father, from the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I have never chosen a city among any of the tribes of Israel as the place where a temple should be built in honor of my name. Nor have I chosen a king to lead my pre-people Israel. But now I have chosen Jerusalem as the place for my name to be honored. And I have chosen David to be king over my people Israel. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, You wanted to build the temple to honor my name. Your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. And now the Lord has fulfilled the promise he made. For I have become king in my father's place. And now I sit on the throne of Israel just as the Lord promised. I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. 
There I have placed the ark which contains the covenant that the Lord made with the people of Israel. And at that time, all was well. It didn't say that way. At that time, when I'm looking at the people, do you understand the faithfulness of God? Everything that God is doing in the Old Testament is setting up for the Messiah, His Son, to come, to rule, and to reign for all eternity. And you just want to play church. God help us. God help us. Ultimately now, because of Jesus, you know where the temple is? You know where the temple of God is? It's you. It's me. We become the temples of the living God. Think about that before you go to speak when you shouldn't speak. Think about that when you allow your mind to run amok and your emotions to flare out of control. Think about that when you go and you lay down and do things you ought not to do. Think about that before you just keep giving yourself over and over and over and over. Shall you unite God with idols, with whoredom, with blasphemy? I mean, do you understand? It's the way in which we're called to live. And it's God's purpose and plan for our lives. Because he's good. Because he's good, you all. Go to Romans chapter 7, verse 1 through 13. Oh, I hope you're encouraged and I hope you're in the book. Listen, I send the scriptures out ahead of time before we meet in hopes to encourage you to not only read them, but then get some commentaries. Start opening up. What does it mean? Because I don't have time. You, you already think I go too long, but good Lord, could you imagine if I took the whole day to explain in detail what you need to see in these scriptures? So I hope to God you're taking the time to study, to talk amongst yourselves, to allow the Holy Spirit, your great teacher, the ultimate teacher, to teach you so that when we come together on Sunday, we're all well-prepared students. And we're just being encouraged yet again through the reading of the Word. Romans chapter 7, verse 1 through 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, again, again, Paul is addressing the church in Rome. He's calling them into unity. He's calling them into Christ. He's reminding them of who Christ is and who they are now in Christ. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you are familiar with the law. Don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she, could, she would be committing adultery if she 
married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, with this understanding, Paul then goes down to break it a little bit more. To break down the law has been fulfilled, and so we're no longer bound to it. So he moves on to verse 4. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was, oh God, look at this, raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we controlled, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. That is what the law did. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, come on, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Well then, am I suggesting the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetousness desires within me. If there were no laws, sin would not have the power or that power. At one time I lived without understanding law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life, and I died. So I discovered the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Oh God, church, wake up. Woo! And that's why Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. That's why as Christians, we're not adding to what Jesus already completed. So when you find Christian churches, and I use that term lightly, adding, you got to follow this, you got to follow that. You can't touch this, you can't eat that, you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way. Have this, that, this, that, this, that, and this, and that, and this, and that. Demonic. Demonic. Teachings of demons. Running amok. You understand how liberating it is in Christ? 
but in Christ, that doesn't give me free reign to then use my freedom to go and touch and do and do and this and that and this and that. The law in and of itself is fulfilled. And so in that, as a Christian, I, my position is in Christ. So the law is fulfilled. I'm not out coveting. And if I do, there's a quick move of the Holy Spirit to remind me. I don't need the law to be like, oh, I shall not, I shall not, I shall not, because then it just produces within me death, and it just entices even more. But when I see that the law is fulfilled in Christ, and I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I can then remember the freedom which has been given to me through Christ, because the law is fulfilled, because the law is good, because Christ is good. And there's a way in which we can live. And so Paul was addressing all of this brouhaha that's going on in the church, reminding them of how good their God is, you all. Go to Psalm 17. Psalm 17. <laughs> Jesus. Woo, Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Psalm 17. Oh, the book of Psalms to give you hope, to inspire you to keep looking up. Oh, what a beautiful prayer of King David. Oh, that we would know our God, you all. Oh, Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I'm determined not to sin in, in what I say. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered. For following you. I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, O oh God. Bend down and listen as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Come on. Guard me as you would guard your own, your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They're without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down and surround me, watching for the chance to throw me to the ground. They're like hungry lions, eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. Arise, O Lord, stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with, their, with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward. But satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. Oh, I love that. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I awake, I will see you face to face and be 
satisfied. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 19. Two nuggets of wisdom. Proverbs 19, verses 22 and 23. Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. Oh, better wake up, people. Oh, that was last time, verse 19. Well, I guess we needed to hear that again. <laughs> verse 22 and 23. You got an extra nugget today. Take it for what it's worth. If you're out there helping people that are hot-tempered, well, just know you're going to keep in bondage with them. Pray that you don't. All right, 22 and 23. Loyalty makes a person attractive. It is better to be poor, come on, than dishonest. And finally, fear of the Lord leads to life bringing security and protection from harm. There is a way, you all, in which we are called to live, and it's for the glory of God. I'm going to close us with this last song, and then I'll close us in prayer.
Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, there's none like you, Father.